0: they're entertaining enough
1: i think they will be because we kind of we're going like books we don't necessarily recommend or maybe a narrow recommendation or something
0: yeah i have one where i'm like i wouldn't recommend this but it's bananas and i do love a bananas book
1: (laughs) that's kind of how a couple of mine are i think two of my four are ones that i'm like i don't think i'd recommend this but like they're just it's it's more fun to talk about than to Mm -hmm to read probably
0: yeah and i have a couple where the the plot summary is so intriguing that people are going to want to read it anyway even though i guarantee that the it's not going to hold up <laughs> the, like, the actual experience is going to hold up to the promise
1: yeah listen don't do it but
0: you're gonna you're do gonna,
1: it. so what, whatever <laughs> i i don't know what to tell you <sighs> Um, well, do you have a, a traditional, <laughs> a traditional joke to start us off with?
0: Yeah, I have a traditional joke. I actually have several and I'm, I'm struggling to pick the one that I want to say, tell you today. Um, but should, I think,
1: oh, I was going to say we could go like theme of the show. You could just tell me briefly about each one and then I could pick
0: them. away. No one. way. <laughs> I'm not spoiling them. No way.
1: <laughs> yeah. How do you tell a joke? It's like when someone talks about riddles. And they're like, have you heard of one where the doctor's a woman? And you're like, right. well, no, but you just told me the whole thing. So
0: <laughs> I guess it now.
1: now I have. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, plus, I don't trust you not to Google. You're a librarian at heart. I know you. You would Google.
1: Do my joke research.
0: That's right. Um, so I think I'm going to tell you this one. What do you call a Frenchman wearing sandals? <sighs> I don't know. Philippe Philop.
1: <laughs> that one got me. That one's very silly.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Yay. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, everybody at home, welcome to, or in the car or wherever, welcome to uh, Why Did You Read That? Uh, where we talk about some books and kind of... Ask each other directly or sometimes just imply the question, why did you read that? (laughs) Um, I'm Peter. And I'm Megan. And uh, we kind of have a theme for today.
0: We do. It's a little different.
1: Yeah. uh, Based on something that I was considering talking about last time, we're going to talk about some books that maybe we don't necessarily recommend but are interesting to talk about. Um, or you know what we might call in the book industry a narrow recommendation. So maybe a very very specific kind of reader would be interested in it. Right. Um, right. Every
0: book has a reader. It's just that reader may be rare.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, sort of like you know when you watch when you watch Chopped and there's an ingredient on there and you're like somebody out there loves that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: that really smelly fish
1: yeah yeah (laughs) or you know something that they're like this is pretty much guaranteed to poison you unless you do it exactly correct right
0: what's that fruit that's banned off of buses in asia
1: uh durian that's it yeah
0: people love that some people love it
1: i know i know it's so funny like yeah i've always wanted to uh smell what that smells like and taste it
0: yeah I, I mean, I I don't think I want to do either. So you'll just tell me when you when you smell it, what you think? I'll let you know. OK.
1: Be like, yeah, it's not it's not too bad. Or I'll be like, mm, no, it's gross. I can see why there are laws about the... when there's a, a fruit that smells so bad that there's a law about it. I mean, that yeah. tells you something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's any. Oh, that doesn't smell so bad about it. Yeah, That's going to stink.
1: Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> All right. So the way this usually works is uh, each of us picks four books and then, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you'll pick the two of mine that you're most interested in. And I'll pick the two of yours that I'm most interested in hearing about.
0: I think. Did I go first last time? I don't remember. I was trying to remember just now and I don't.
1: Shoot. Uh,
0: Let me let me check and see what we talked about last week. Uh, I think you maybe did go first.
1: I think so, too. So I think it's your turn to go first.
0: OK, so let's see. I have for my first book, a book called Fury by Lauren Donor, and it is part of a series called The New Species. It's a romance book about uh, people who were genetically engineered with DNA of animals uh, in some secret lab and like kept prisoner. And then they were discovered and they are no longer like they broke out. And now they have their own little, like, compound and they're trying to, like, join the world. And it's a romance between one of the scientists who worked there and one of the, the new species who is part some kind of cat. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is, a,
1: okay. this is like a, a theme because you've talked about one before where it was like, was it people who transformed into animals?
0: Um, and there was yes. like a
1: bear detective,
0: child yes, protective Yes, bears services. behaving badly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a traditional shapeshifter. These people don't change their shape. They just share characteristics.
1: Oh, gotcha.
0: So they don't actually turn into anything. They just like have, you know, instincts and like better vision and that kind of thing.
1: Gotcha. Th- that's okay. that was your traditional shapeshifter romance. This is your
0: right. <laughs> right. This is stepping it up a little bit.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh,
0: next, I have a book called Night Train by David Quantic. Uh, and this is a. I don't even know how to describe it. OK, so did you see the movie Snowpiercer? Yes. It's kind of like Snowpiercer. It's the the main character wakes up in a train filled with bodies and doesn't know how she got there, basically. Okay. Okay. Uh, third book is Phantom Effect by Michael Aronovitz. And it is about a serial killer who is being haunted by the ghost of one of his victims.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I and finally that's so
1: funny but i guess maybe maybe it's like instant justice like,
0: right it's like, yeah it's uh, yeah it feels right
1: i guess if you were a ghost who was murdered by a, or a person who was murdered by a serial killer and became a ghost haunting your serial right? killer it's either that or make pottery with someone you loved right i mean mm,
0: yeah I, I, do people still know that movie
1: i have no idea
0: I, feel I do. Like so it was I got the it.
1: Biggest thing in the world at the time, and now mm-hmm. it's like I don't know if anyone watches that movie anymore.
0: Well, this is how I know I'm old: is I'm constantly making movie references that feel very contemporary for me, and there are a lot of people who are like, "I've never even heard of that," and then I feel old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, maybe maybe Ghost. If you haven't seen Ghost, um, there we
0: go. Bonus recommendation.
1: Yeah, I guess I recommend it. I don't really remember it that well, but I.
0: Whoopi Goldberg was Oscar nominated if she didn't win.
1: I was going to say she was hilarious in that movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She, I, she was recognized for it at least in some way. Uh, and then my fourth book is called Death Rides a Chestnut Mare by Ralph Compton. Okay. It's a Western about an orphaned girl who um, takes on the identity of her murdered father to find vengeance.
1: Okay. Um, that seems outside of your typical reading.
0: It is. I actually read it because my in my professional life, I am what we call a reader's advisor. And I make book recommendations to a lot of different kinds of readers. And occasionally I stretch my reading to um, get familiar with stuff I wouldn't normally read. And this is one that I read for that purpose.
1: Okay. I gotcha. Um, boy. Well, I think I I definitely want to hear about Phantom Effect. Yeah. The ghost haunting their serial killer. So let's let's start there.
0: (laughs) All right. I don't blame you at all because I picked it up specifically because of what it was about. Like it sounded really interesting to me um, and sounded like something I would like. I enjoy horror and romance because they both are like the feelings genres And that's what I like as a reader. I like to be made to feel things, everything from, you know, swoony to terrified. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I picked it up because I was like, maybe this will make me feel terrified. Um, So it is about this guy who is a serial killer. And I'm pretty sure that if not through the whole thing, through at least half of it, it's from his point of view and it opens and he is driving a car down the highway. And I'm pretty sure he has the body of one of his victims in the trunk. And um, he's running from the police and he pulls up at an abandoned shopping center. I don't know if it's a mall or like a Kmart, but it's a big, big building that used to be like a, a big box shopping store of some kind and is now empty, abandoned. So he pulls in and he goes in there, I, I assume to hide. And we, we know that his the ghost of his victim is like following him. And I'm trying, I'm trying not to spoil it because I know even though this book, so spoiler alert, this book didn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really wanted it to, but um, the reason that I read horror is so that I can feel some sense of dread or terror, like, oh, something terrible is going to happen. Um, and the thing that I realized reading this book is when you're, when your main character is a serial killer, there's no terror you're rooting on the ghost. Oh right. <laughs> like, yeah. Get him. <laughs> you're like I'm kind of on the uh, side
1: of the horror in this case.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was so I I think it broke the book for me a little bit. I was like, oh, this isn't really working because I'm like yeah. <laughs> um I there was no there was no sense of atmosphere. It also opens in a way like if you're, you're I think you're getting some flashbacks of him stalking the victim and like hunting her down and and, you know, planning to murder her. But the book opens with her haunting him. And so, you know, that he succeeded. Right. So even there, there is no there is no suspense. Oh, right. um, you know, going in that she's not going to make it like she's going to be a ghost. She's going to die. Right. So all of the suspense was kind of busted for me.
1: You're just kind of and waiting would, for her to become a ghost because you're like, well, that's where this yeah. is going, right? So
0: yeah, it, well then it's I, I'm trying to remember this is it's been a while, and since I didn't like it, it didn't stick in my brain as firmly as other books, but I want to say it might be set in two time frames, so you're like going back and forth. He's in the building being like hunted by this ghost, and he is stalking her in the past. So you're kind of going back and forth, but the thing is, In the first case, when he's stalking her, you know she's not going to live because you're already in the present where she's haunting him. Mm -hmm. And in the second storyline, there's no suspense because you want him to die. (laughs) He's not a good dude. He's horrible, and you hope she wins. And so that feels more almost action-y to me, Mm -hmm. except it didn't have all of the action sequences.
1: Oh, that's horrible.
0: I know it was such a bummer because the idea is really cool.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like making me think of um, Thinner by Stephen King. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, if I remember correctly, this guy gets cursed because he hits someone and kills him with his car. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of his fault, but kind of not, but kind of. Um, yeah. And so then you're like, you know, some revenge is not out of the question here. And then, but over the course of the book, it kind of goes a little too far. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I feel like he's had enough. I, you know, and, <laughs> and also, I guess, like, hitting someone with your car is something that everybody is like, I mean, God forbid, but it's possible I could do that not really intending to, versus yeah. being a serial killer where you're like, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, how... How much uh, haunting can a serial killer get before you're like, okay, that's enough. I think I think think he's learned his lesson. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: And I was going through my notes from back when I read it and I don't remember what was bothering me. But I made a note that the voice of the main character, whose name is DeSoronto, um, bothered me. And I want to say that it was very like stiltedly formal. Mm. I don't, I honestly don't remember. I just made a note that it was really irritating. Mm. Um, so I'm not going to tell anyone not to read it. I'm sure there are people out there who found that it scratched just the right itch for them. Um, but I do want to have people go into it with their eyes open that it was not terrifying. So if you're really looking for a good edge of your seat, horror novel, um, as cool as this one sounds, um, I just think that structurally it couldn't hold.
1: It almost makes it worse, right? When you're like someone wasted this great premise, but yeah. the execution just didn't come
0: through. Yeah, I almost wish that they would have like scrapped all of the stalking stuff. Like I, he killed her. I'm in. He's right. a bad guy. Like, I don't, I don't need you to prove to me that he's horrible. Right. She's um, She's dead. He's the bad guy. So let's just get some like really good, creepy, scary, action-y stuff in the present where she's haunting him and trying to kill him and make it really like gruesome and suspenseful. And then I think I would have been into it more. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: think there are ways that you could make it more effective too, right? Because like even if it's scary... You know, even if you're not really invested in the serial killer surviving or whatever, if it's just genuinely spooky and stuff or yeah. you're not totally sure what's happening for a little. Right. bit, Right. Um, yeah. Well,
0: or even it. having like with a with another victim who he hasn't killed and make her the main character oh, and he's being yeah. haunted by another victim. Yeah. That would have that would. I want someone Someone out there who writes, write me that book.
1: <laughs> that's having your cake and eating it because that's yeah. Like, all right. So you can, you have the ghost, you know, trying to stop the serial killing and then you've got the, uh, the person that you're like, well, this person, it would be nice if they survived.
0: Yeah. Someone to root for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was, I was bummed cause I read the back um, description of the book and I was like, Ooh, cool, you know, and then wah, wah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But we do have it in the hoopla collection, so anybody who wants to check it out, um, you can use a hoopla credit on it if you want.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was just uh, working on the... um hpld cult movie vault and was like you know there's some things on hoopla like the movie birdemic where it's like they should halfway through a pop-up should come and be like you could get this credit back right now if you (laughs) (laughs) if you click out of this movie we understand we'll give you your credit back (laughs) i didn't realize birdemic was on there uh not only is birdemic on there but birdemic 2 is also on there
0: i didn't realize there was a birdemic (laughs) 2
1: i didn't either and then we watched About half of it. And it's worse than the first one.
0: So people who maybe don't know you may not realize this. So I'm just going to bring our audience in on a little secret, Uh which is that you have a high tolerance for terrible movies.
1: You know, it was the thing that one of the things that's really bad about Birdemic, which is a terrible, cheaply made, uh, horribly scripted, just everything, everything about it is wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. movie and it's kind of like the trifecta of famous cult movies i would say like birdemic the room and for me fateful findings um, fateful findings but <laughs> um, the first like you know it's called birdemic it's about birds killing people and there i don't think a bird shows up for like the first 30 minutes of birdemic one and birdemic yeah. two i think we watched almost an hour and nothing happened And it's like the same characters, except I I don't think they're playing the same. It's like a reboot. It's not even like a sequel, but maybe it is a sequel and they all just forgot about what happened. It's, It's like impossible to tell.
0: Well, I just, I mention it because people who maybe, I want people to go in realizing that your tolerance for terrible is already high. Yes. So the fact that you're like, this was so awful I couldn't watch it. Yeah. That's astonishing.
1: It's pretty bad. I don't, you know, I don't know if I could. I don't, I'm trying to think of a scenario in which I would be bored enough to watch it and I'm having a really hard time. You know, I'm on like a, a f- 20 hour flight and that's just. And there's what's nothing on. else. Yeah. And I, you know, I can't use my hands <laughs> to like read a book or just, you know, touch my fingertips to each other. <laughs> For the level of excitement that that brings, so it's like yeah. this is the
0: only form of entertainment. Have a thumb war with yourself. Yep.
1: Just count count my fingers, make sure they're all still there periodically.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: Um. Well, while wow, we're on the note of my t- high tolerance for terrible, yeah, hit me. Um. Okay. So, I've got four. Three of them are comic books. Okay. Um. One is a book. Okay. So the first one is called Centipede Volume One Game Over. Oh, um, it's that a sounds
0: promising already. <laughs>
1: five issue comic book series based on the arcade game Centipede. Okay. Um, the next one is the aforementioned Army of Darkness Ash Saves Obama. And that <laughs> is uh, uh, Ash from Evil Dead and Army of Darkness fame, saving Barack Obama right um (laughs) the next one is called sword quest um this is also based on an atari game um i guess it's like a sort of a fantasy comic series that went along with the games and um there's kind of a whole history of the games and they did this big giveaway and all this other stuff going on the last one is called so
0: wait it's a history of the game
1: no, no, it's like a, a fiction, it's like the fictional story of what's happening in the game. Okay. Um, but also, Atari put out this series of games called Sword Quest, and like, you'd play the first game, and there were hidden clues and hidden rooms and stuff in it, um, and there were also hidden things in the comics that would help you solve this puzzle, and if you, if you were the first person in the world to solve this puzzle, you got like a sword or something, like okay. an actual bejeweled sword.
0: <laughs> so this is this is what happened in actual like in the world. This is not like it might be in the book but this actually happened.
1: Yes, yes, sorry. Okay. So like um Sword Quest was huge. Like <laughs> I it's it's so confusing because I can't think of anything that really worked this way. Um but what they did is the Atari put out a series of video games. And simultaneously, Uh you know, they're like, let's make this a multi-platform thing. So there were, like, comic books to go with it. I'm sure there was, like, a cartoon at some point. Okay. Um, So they're
0: franchising it.
1: Yeah. And then each of the different games had, like, clues and uh, answers to a sort of riddle in it. And then the corresponding comic books also had pieces of that puzzle. So what you'd have to do is, like, read the comic, play the game a ton, and... Find these hidden clues in each one in order to solve some puzzle that in real life uh, if you were the first person to solve it you got like some okay. fabulous reward
0: so it's like ready player one but instead of winning the internet you win a sword
1: yes yeah okay. like ready player one but since there was no internet at the time they were like I'll just give him a sword
0: <laughs> okay gotcha
1: <laughs> close enough <laughs> <laughs> swords are cool <laughs> Uh, my last book is called "Clown Fellas: Tales of the Bozo Family." <laughs> um, um, the cover <laughs> is a guy who looks like you know a good fellas. He's in a suit and he's got a hat and a, a red clown nose.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm starting there, right?
1: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so this is a book called "Clown Fellas." Tales of the Bozo Family uh, by Carlton Mellick III.
0: Oh, I should have known.
1: So he's kind of uh, the godfather of the genre that we call Bizarro, um, which was, I guess, probably a late 90s, early 2000s is when Bizarro uh, really kind of became as mainstream as it ever became.
0: Yeah, Um, I think that's fair to say.
1: Carlton Mellick has written about a billion books and like to give you an idea, I guess some of the ones that I can actually say the names of uh, Satan Burger, Armadillo Fists, um, <laughs> 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 Tumor Fruit is, uh, you know, one of his. Um, so anyway, he, Bizarro is like, I guess, maybe shock value literature. Um, I I think
0: that's fair to to say, yeah. Yeah. It's pushing boundaries.
1: (laughs) It's weird and shocking. Uh, and so, you know, like any genre, there's a lot of terrible, um, bizarro. There's probably more terrible than other, some other genres, because I think some people who write in bizarro just go for shock value and there's like nothing else to it. And it doesn't even make sense. Mm hmm. Um, Carlton Mellick is a little better. Like his stuff, it has a narrative and you can follow it. And there have been a couple of his books that I was like, this is actually pretty good. Um, even though it's sort of embarrassing to read them because they have, you know, hilarious covers like Clown Fellas and stuff.
0: I and mean, hey, you're talking to a romance reader. Yeah. I get about cover shaming.
1: Good point.
0: So, uh, Clown
1: Fellas. I think might be his peak as far as like this is probably the book that he's written that comes closest to being able like a mainstream reader might be able to tolerate it. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) So if you're looking to dip your toes into the shallow end of of Bizarro, maybe this would be an entry point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like the only thing that is uh, really different about it as opposed to other Bizarro is it's fairly long. I think it's probably in the neighborhood of 400 pages. Let me see. Oh, Oh, yeah, 450 pages. That is long. Yeah, most of his books are really short. They're like under 200 pages. And his kind of concept with them is it should take you about as long to read one of his books as to watch a movie. Um, Because, you know, he's like, that's the kind of person, the kind of reader that I write for, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, Clown Fellas is like a series of stories, but they feature a lot of the same characters and stuff. It feels a little bit like Pulp Fiction, maybe. Okay. Um, and it's about a uh, city that has a division in it. There's sort of the regular city, and then there's the Clown City, <laughs> uh, which is known as Little Big Top, <laughs> and that's okay. where like clown people live. Um. And so, you know, there's, like, clown people who do this and that. And, of course, there's, like, a clown mafia. So this kind of follows some different characters who are involved with the clown mafia.
0: (laughs) Question. Yeah. Are these just people who choose to be clowns, or are they innately clowns somehow?
1: They're, like, biological clowns. Okay. Um, There is, like, a... I can't remember what it is now, but there's, like, something... That you can feed a regular person, like, you know, some kind of cotton candy or something. That will Cream
0: pie that you yeah. can slap in their face.
1: Yes. And if you do that, they'll turn into a clown. But sometimes okay. also they'll turn into like a berserker crazy clown. Um, okay. They'll completely lose their mind and just become a monster. Okay. So that's like the risk there, you know, so. Uh, sure.
0: Everyone's favorite, a crazy clown. Yeah, yeah. I mean
1: and you know, like so they're they're biologically clowns and they have like weird stuff, like, you know, instead of a normal gun, they'll have like a gun that uh shoots like gosh. Trying to think now what exactly what they had. You know, they just have like a like a glitter bomb or like, yeah, an exploding pie and stuff like that. I mean, it's like clown themed stuff.
0: Do they drive really tiny cars?
1: They drive tiny cars and they have (laughs) like pack into them. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's kind of funny. It's kind of weird because it's sort of like, uh, you know, uh, it's mostly told from the perspective of different clowns. Uh, and you know, they have their sort of like racial terms for clowns and then for non clowns and stuff like that. And, um, there's a a portion where it's kind of scandalous because there's a young lady who's very interested in a guy who's not a clown. Oh, um, so and she is, and she is a clown, and she comes cool. from like you know a proud clown family. <laughs> so they're like <laughs> having to uh, figure all this out, I guess. <laughs> so it's Romeo and Clown Juliet, kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess it's like you know. It's it's weird because the book almost would work without the clown element. Like okay. and that's why I think this is probably this writer's best book because really without the without the clowning, that's definitely the bizarro element of it. Um and it almost works without that. Like you could you could probably do some minor edits and just remove the clowning entirely and it would be a not terrible s- series of cl- crime stories okay um so yeah i guess like you know it's just bizarre and i can't recommend it to everybody because it's just too weird like if you Mm. if if you're listening to this and thinking like no 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 i would never encourage you to like (laughs) no give it a try because i'm like i have to acknowledge it's very weird um and if you go into it, like, already pretty sure that it's going to be too weird, it probably will be. Yeah, trust that feeling. <laughs> yeah, yep, trust your gut on this one. And, you know, like, I, I hate to say it, I really, I enjoy this author's work a lot, but I, you're not missing out on a lot if you're like, that's just not for me. Yeah. Um. But if you do, like, really weird stuff, and if you can also sort of say, like, uh, you know, the the weirdness of it adds something for me. Or like I'm just tired of reading the same book all the time, so I just need yeah. any in any way that's different. Yeah. Um that
0: I can get that. There I think there's something to be said for a book that uh, lands on the banana scale. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, You know like we were talking about Chopped right it's like well I mean Do you want to eat a hamburger every day or a salad Every day for lunch or do you want to try Something weird once in a while
0: Yeah you want to eat some durian Yeah
1: exactly (laughs) (laughs) I'll take a crack at it There you go Clownfellas the durian of Of uh Books I I wouldn't read it on the bus Because everyone would probably Be very curious
0: Yeah Yeah, you wouldn't get to read it because you'd be answering a lot of questions. (laughs) What are you reading? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Is that
1: for real? (laughs) How do you even acquire such a book? (laughs) You Um, go to the library, that's what. (laughs) Yeah, good news. This one is on Hoopla as well. (sighs) Excellent. Um, I think we also have some of his other books in the library. I know we did at one point, and I'm not sure if we still do, but I believe we we had Tumor Fruit at one time. I think we We had Quicksand House. Maybe
0: Did he write Hammer Wives?
1: Hammer Wives, yes. Um, and uh, Cuddly Holocaust, <laughs> I think, was one of his that we had.
0: I would like to point out that the only reason I'm this familiar with the works of Carlton Mellick III is because I shared a Mathis with you. Yeah. <laughs> I have, in fact, never read this
1: author. You know, and I'm not entirely sure that I'm not the only one who checked out those books. (laughs) That's why I'm like, I think they're still as far as I know, they're still there, but they certainly could have gone the wayside by now.
0: It's possible. Those books that languish, they tend to move on to new homes.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, what can I say? How how can I blame people for not checking those out? I'm like, I mean, this is an entire library of choices, so. Yeah. I can't blame people for not making the same bad choices that I make.
0: <laughs> hey, if you had fun, it's not a bad choice.
1: That's true. I did have a good time. Yeah. Enjoyed reading Clown Fellas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh do you
0: need a reminder.
1: Let's see. I've got uh Fury. Yes. And that's the one about like cross uh cross Brent's. Genetically
0: engineered yes. humans with animal DNA,
1: and then there's Night Train. Which uh-huh. Is a lady wakes up on a train and there's a bunch of dead people. Yep, and Death rides a chestnut mare, yep. uh, which is like a western. Yes. Um, do you, would you have more fun talking about Fury or Night Train?
0: You know, either one will be fine. Um, I think I I think Fury the um, probably has more people who would enjoy it. Um, that's one of those books that lands on the banana scale. Night Train, I think, was fundamentally a little bit broken. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, let's do Fury then.
0: Okay. Uh, so the book is Fury by Lauren Donner, and it's the first Donner or donor. I'm actually not sure it's D O H N E R. Um, it's the first in her new species series, uh, which we have at least several of in print in the library and, um, we can get the rest through prospector, I'm sure. So if anybody wants to try these, they are in there. And the main character is, her name is Ellie and she works for a pharmaceutical company Um, Kind of in the front office, Um, she doesn't really see a lot of the higher-up functions of this company. Um, But somehow she discovers that they're doing illegal experimentation on humans, where they're splicing human DNA with animal DNA, um, creating, of course, a new species. (laughs) Now, did they talk
1: about, like, why?
0: (laughs) You know, I... I'm trying to remember there are two. So this is how, you know, romances for the bonkers readers and why I'm so at home there. There are two series that I know of that are like this. And the other is by Laura Lee. <laughs> so anybody who's read Laura Lee and liked those, I'd say these are kind of similar. Okay. Um, but um, my, so it's possible I'm misremembering and I'm remembering the Laura Lee Plotline, but i think this is for military purposes like oh, they're of they're being created you know for the army
1: this is the one of the things that makes me unhappy in narrative because like okay jurassic world and they're like let's make velociraptor soldiers and it's like right. why that yeah. seems like a terrible idea yeah yeah even if it works is that that seems like a bad idea
0: and it's not gonna work it's not gonna work I mean, at least in this case, you have people with reason, like um, with higher level reason, although they treat them like, you know, captive chattel slaves, Uh like animals. So um, they're not exactly developing reason. So it's not like you can say like, hey, you know, attack the enemy and then come back to us because you're on our side. Right. You know, yeah.
1: Because they'd be like, I think I'll just peace out if that's. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How but you know they... what, you know, it's like this for romance reasons. And okay. we accept
1: that. That's <laughs> Does the book go into how they um, acquired these people?
0: They created them.
1: Oh, so they're like uh, created from scratch.
0: Yes, they oh. are. I assume that the animal DNA was spliced into them um, in like fetal form i'm not sure exactly i mean i don't think it goes into the hard science of it let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> that's but f- um, that's
1: fine you know what? I, yeah. I, don't, I don't need it to do that because i'm like yeah well if you're just gonna make up the science anyway like <laughs> yeah. just say eh, it just
0: works <laughs> i mean jurassic park they had the actual science behind it they were like we used amphibian eggs and, and altered them to grow dinosaurs, and then amphibians can change their sex. So that's how we got female dinosaurs, and everything went crazy.
1: That's one of my um, favorite parts of Jurassic Park because, like, yeah. the, the cast is being the viewer. Because they're like watching that movie on that thing on the ride uh-huh. and they're all like, yeah. get out of this and go see the dinosaurs. Like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you did a bunch of science. Fine. Like, let's go see
0: the dinosaur. And I'm like, do you yeah. remember reading the book? Because the book has a lot of the science in the beginning. Like, no, I don't
1: think I ever read that
0: book. It was really good. But the science was solid.
1: I believe it. So, yeah. Yeah, it was just I thought that was what a hilarious translation to the screen where they're just yeah. like people want to see the T-Rex. Let's just yeah. get off this
0: ride. I think see. it was smart not to not to have them like in the lab just discussing about how amphibian DNA has this innate like, yeah, nobody right. cares. Yeah. I they're like, dinosaurs. Right. Cool, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what this is like. OK, sure. Yeah. Okay. You know, DNA, animal splice DNA. OK. Sure.
1: Okay, I was on the little ride. They were explaining how they did it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go see a cat. Man. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Uh, and they have um, I'm trying to remember all of the I'm pretty sure they have like the big mammals, like the big predatory mammals um, are are represented in the series. But it opens with fury. And I don't think they have names when they're in the lab. But when they actually escape the lab, they all name themselves. And they're all things like fury, you know because they they have feels, Peter. They have feels about their their existence. All right. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so Ellie is like a low-level person, and she kind of finds out that all of this illegal experimentation is happening. And I don't remember how, but she somehow manages to, like, infiltrate the, the like, secret runnings of this business, and she becomes a whistleblower. Um, And Fury, who's the hero of the book, he sees her when she's like there undercover and he identifies her as, you know, one of the enemy doesn't have any idea that she's there investigating and working with the government to like to, you know. Put all of the all of this the bad guys in prison, right? To
1: do something, yeah. Once right. She out yeah. To try putting it
0: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so she's the one who kind of like breaks it all wide open and gets this company busted and um, frees all of the people. But he doesn't know that. Um, he's been you know chained up in like a, a box or a cell or something and. Um, abuse. There's just as a content warning. There's implication of like breeding programs, and so like there's some squick factor to do with that. It doesn't go into detail. It's not on the page, but it's happening. Um, so if that's something that would bother a reader, I would you know keep that in mind. Um, this is definitely on the 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 bonker side of romance. So. <laughs> weird stuff's going to be happening. And, uh, if you want to read this, I would be on board with that. (laughs) Um, so uh, the the story really kind of gets going after the, the lab has been busted open and the new species have started their own kind of society. They have some sort of separate status from the government. Like they're not citizens, but they're not prisoners, but they have some rights, you know, and so they have like their own compound, they have a leader and they're building their own society and kind of learning about their own biology a little bit because they've been in isolation and they don't really, they don't even really know how this all works. Sure. And she, um, because she was one of the people who busted this open, she's one of the few humans who has like, you know, some sort of status with the new species with the leaders of, of the new species and so she's working with them somehow I think she's I don't remember I don't remember how she's a liaison or she's working in, with medical team or something like that and he sees her and loses his mind because as far as he's concerned she's one of the bad guys and she's infiltrating
1: what um, is she doing here what exactly the- yeah. <laughs>
0: So, um, he loses his mind, but he also has like a fundamental attraction to her because this is romance. And I don't know, you probably don't know this, but all my romance readers out there will not be surprised to hear this. Whenever you have some sort of animal related, like something going on in romance, like, um, like this, where there is a genetically engineered person with animal DNA, or you have some sort of a shapeshifter, it often comes along with a faded mate trope which is, um, you know, they have some sort of instinct um, where they can identify their mate. And so the implication here is that she is his fated mate and he is feeling very torn because he doesn't trust her. And um, also there, are, there's like a, a species equivalent of like white supremacists happening where they're like, human first and you're unnatural and we're going to kill you all. So there's some suspense stuff going on and they're trying to like kill all of the new species and she's in danger because eventually they do, this is a romance. So no one will be surprised if they do start a relationship and she's like a race traitor because she's with uh, an animal, you know, that is what they accuse her of. And so, um, lots of weird bananas stuff happening. Um, If you can, like, let go of reality (laughs) and not expect things to to feel real uh, and just roll with it, it can be a lot of fun. Um, But if you need things to have, like, some touch of this makes sense, then uh, (laughs) I'm not sure that this is one. Like, this isn't like your clown fellows. I would say this is one that you would have to be able to, like, enjoy a little bit of weird. Yeah,
1: right. Right. Like maybe uh, this isn't something you can enjoy in spite of its weirdness. You have to kind of embrace yeah. its weirdness and have that as part of what you enjoy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I call these banana pants romances. <laughs> and they're, I personally love a banana pants romance. But even some of my romance reading friends, um, they they can appreciate that I love them, but they don't necessarily want to read them themselves.
1: <laughs> um. I mean, you're talking faded mate. Is that the name of the yeah. trope? I was thinking yeah. that sounds like uh, maybe the version I'm familiar is like from Twilight, where I think the, the one person sort of imprinted Imprints on the, on the baby. baby or whatever. Yeah. Like, I just somehow <laughs> magically know that that's my future mate. Yeah.
0: Through, yeah. Usually it's through like some supernatural sense or like sometimes it's smell or something like that yeah. it is absolutely that i will say that in twilight i found that particularly icky
1: <laughs> i mean it was pretty bizarre but yeah
0: <laughs> i don't know i was just like i, I don't guess, love you know, a, old, a, so a fully grown person <laughs> being like hey this newborn baby i'm gonna marry i'm like <laughs> well you know what's
1: extra funny to that to me about that is it's like i i heard that reaction more than once but then i was like but wait a minute isn't this vampire also like a hundred million years old yeah. and he's like dating a 17 year old <laughs> like,
0: yeah seems yeah.
1: equally weird if not
0: yeah. more i think it's just easier to get past because she's um walking talking reasoning person yeah you know very close to adulthood whereas an infant it's just hard to get past the yeah. infant thing
1: yeah i mean how do you fall in love with an unborn baby that's not your baby i guess
0: guess. someone who has not even grown their baby teeth (laughs) it's like yeah (laughs) yeah but yeah i mean that's the faded mates trope shows up a lot in paranormals too like you'll have like vampires or whatever who also have like a faded mate and i've read lots of different ways that that registers either you know they see in black and white until they meet their faded mate and then they can see in color or oh. their heart starts beating when they meet their fated mate. So they live, you know, thousands of years with no heartbeat and then they meet their fated mate and their heart starts beating and it feels like an earthquake or something. They're like, what the heck is that?
1: It's got to be very disconcerting.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, lots of stuff like
1: that. Yeah. started doing a thing that yeah. it has not done in a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it, it's all kind of shorthand for um, the hero developing feelings and not quite knowing what to do with them. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs>
1: Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like there are versions of this, you know, light versions of this throughout whatever.
0: Yeah. It's, I think it's fairly common in storytelling. It's just very, um, you see it a lot in romance. Um, romance hits a lot of the same beats. Like People um, don't always understand because they're like, why do you like romance? Because it always ends the same way. You know, it always ends with them falling in love and being together. Um and that's not the point. <laughs> like right. the point is not that, you know, how is it gonna end? The point is how are you gonna take two characters or occasionally more than two characters from point A to point B. Um and how are you gonna get them in a way that makes sense and is exciting and is, you know, feels emotionally real in some way, at least. Sure. To get them to that point. So,
1: I mean, I think, you know, I kind of, I get what people are saying when they say that, but at the same time, I feel like, I mean, When you watch like a comedy movie, it's like, well, what Mm -hmm. did you think was going to happen? Like Tom Hanks was going to murder someone and be haunted by their ghost and eventually get the electric chair. Like that's not going to happen. Like
0: Um, a mystery has a crime that gets solved. Right. Like, yeah. 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 And it's not for everybody. I don't love mysteries, but, you know, the the idea that it ends in a certain way or that the, the plot has the same beats that's part of the appeal for readers who like that. Yeah. Well,
1: I think yeah. probably most people like that, even if they don't realize it, you know what I mean? Like even you watch a, uh, like the dark Knight trilogy or something and the way it ends, right. it's sort of like, maybe you wouldn't know the exact series of events, but if you were like, eh, Batman kind of rides off into the sunset and you're right. like, yeah,
0: you're cool. Well, and everybody's had that moment where you're like, he created the next villain, you know, like when yeah. they, zoom in on someone you're like ah oh, the next bad guy that must be him <laughs> yeah. right there's something satisfying about that you know it satisfies our our innate human need for storytelling I think
1: yeah definitely all right well that one I don't know that doesn't sound yeah. too bad it just it's, sounds... I
0: think the most normal like it's the least broken of the ones that I picked I'll put it that way yeah um, it works as a narrative and it's weird it's kind of like your your clown fellows like it's weird and it's not for everybody yeah. but it still works as a story whereas the other ones I picked sounded so great and then um for some reason in the structure or the the plot of the story it did, it didn't end up working. Yeah, you're just like So this is one that I would I could recommend to people but not to everyone.
1: <laughs> that's fair. I think yeah. that's a a good a good recommendation style.
0: Thanks. <laughs> All right. All right. So you had the centipede book. Yes. <laughs> and the sword,
1: sword something book. Sword quest.
0: Sword quest book and the Obama book.
1: Sword quest has to be like the most generic fantasy title ever conceived. I mean,
0: it it is like I, I imagine some sort of '80s movie with a you know twelve year old boy who ends up getting sucked into a fantasy universe It would be called Sword Quest.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, I mean, th- <laughs> you know, first thought, best thought was definitely the working theory when they came up with that one. Sword? I don't know. It's like quest for a sword. Sword Quest, all one word. Perfect.
0: Yeah. Go. Label it. Yeah. Slap it on. Let's move.
1: <laughs> Game's already finished, so let's
0: just... <laughs> well... Uh, I think... I think I'm going to go with uh, Ash Saves Obama because okay. I was tempted last time.
1: Okay. Well, so here's the deal. I guess um, the character of Ashley Williams is a guy who started out in the movie Evil Dead, then Evil Dead 2, then Army of Darkness, and then um, the TV series Ash vs. Army of Darkness. Right. Um,
0: Great movies, by the way.
1: Yes, The movies are excellent. Evil Dead is kind of like a very indie horror movie, but that's still Mm -hmm. watchable. Uh, Yeah, cult classic. Yes. Um, Evil Dead 2 is kind of a reboot of Evil Dead, um, but it's a little bit sillier,
0: I guess. Yeah, uh, chainsaw arm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've seen this character or if you're not sure, if you've seen a guy who's kind of dressed normally, but then he has a chainsaw instead of a hand, that's that's the guy. (laughs) Um, And, you know, then uh, Army of Darkness was my favorite movie as a child. Um, Yeah,
0: my brothers, too. I don't think you're alone.
1: Yeah, it was that was like the mainstream breakout movie for uh, for the character, even though. Lots of What's people the actor's
0: prefer. name?
1: Bruce Campbell.
0: Bruce Campbell. Thank you. It was, it was bothering me.
1: Interesting tidbit I just learned. So Sam Raimi is the director of those. You know, he, like, wrote, directed all three of those um, uh-huh. and later went on to, like, do Spider-Man and some other stuff. But uh, So he made Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, and he couldn't get the money to make Army of Darkness, so he made a movie called Dark Man with Liam Neeson in it. Which is uh, also kind of great, and then uh, moved on to, and then that got him enough money so he could make Army of Darkness.
0: Um, that's interesting because I think Army of Darkness may be the one that most people know.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: I think yeah, that's so probably, it's strange.
1: That's probably Sam Raimi's like the one he's most known for, even though it's not the most famous movie that he made. Right. Um, if you've seen the Spider-Man, the first three, there's a scene where um, Dr. Octopus is like coming to life as Dr. Octopus. And it is like straight out of Evil Dead 2. Um, the <laughs> way the camera moves around and it's like a little horror scene. And I was like, oh, he got to do his Evil Dead scene in Spider-Man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so anyway, I love an Easter egg. <laughs> so
1: there have been some spin-offs. Including um, comic books. So they've done some, you know, some weird stuff like Army of Darkness, Ash in Space, you know? <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> they're definitely doing some purposely silly things.
0: Right. So I, I guess, mean, it, it makes sense because the series has some silliness built into it.
1: Oh, definitely. And the comics have definitely gone the silly route. Um, so I guess this was published in 2010. And the story is that for some reason, Ash is working at a comic book convention. And uh, for some reason, Barack Obama, while he's president, is visiting a comic book convention.
0: (laughs) uh, You know, presidents have the time for that.
1: Yeah, I think he was like supposed to give a little speech or something at Comic-Con, which I was like... (laughs) I don't know why I don't, you know, Um,
0: for comic book reasons.
1: (laughs) Yes. Now I'm fairly sure like, okay, so there was a, an issue of amazing Spider-Man. I wrote it down. I don't know this off the top of my head, but amazing Spider-Man 583. um, (laughs) Where (laughs) Barack Obama appears in that. And basically, um, you know, the there's a character called the chameleon and Spider Man foils him and Barack Obama uh interacts with the other characters and the chameleon is impersonating Barack Obama.
0: Okay. Which you're like,
1: Oh, that kind of makes sense. Like if you were if you were the chameleon and you could look like anyone, yeah, the president is someone yeah. you might look like. I buy it. So, you know, Spider-Man defeats the chameleon. I think Obama is sort of peripherally involved, like maybe on the level of, you know, he crouches down and Spider-Man pushes somebody over him. While he's like, <laughs> he doesn't like punch <laughs> someone in the face because I think that's like going too far for them. But right. he's like involved in the action. OK. In Army of Darkness, Ash saves Obama. Ash doesn't save Obama, first of all. <laughs> Barack Obama shows up. And he picks up a book. So throughout the series of Evil Dead and stuff, there's this evil book, the Necronomicon. Um, And uh, somehow the Necronomicon gets sort of transformed into a comic book. And for some reason, Barack Obama picks it up and is like, "Uh, Sasha and Malia would love this. (laughs) So and you know, inside the Necronomicon is like deno- demonic writings and blood that's not even in any decipherable language. And like, yeah, so he okay. he figures that his—I guess at that time they would have been like teenage, young
0: teenage daughters. Um, so he's doing the dad thing where he's like, comic books are cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll buy him this.
1: <laughs> I think the girls would enjoy this. <laughs> And he's going to bring it home and they're going to be like, what even is this?
0: Right. All right. All right. So he buys this moment. Yeah. They buy it.
1: So I guess he buys this and picks it up and is like leafing through it. And somehow that like unleashes the evil that always gets unleashed when people mess around with this book. Um, Right. But then what happens is he leaves on Air Force One. He's completely gone. And then Ash fights a bunch of demons who are still there for some reason. Um. And then basically you entirely forget about Barack Obama being in the book. Um, and uh, the end of the book is he gets back to the White House and actually looks like looks through the comic and is like, this is really weird. I'm not going to give this to my teenage daughters. And he throws it in the fire. And that's the end.
0: <laughs> wow. Uh, so, wow.
1: And And it was... Okay, so it was such a letdown for me because I was like, well, this is a bizarre premise. Why not? And, like, I thought, okay, I wrote a couple lines for Barack Obama. If he had been involved in the action and uh, the two I came up with was he could, like, knock out a demon and be like, well, I hope he didn't vote Democrat. And the other one would be, unfortunately for him, affordable health care doesn't cover the undead. (laughs) (laughs) But Uh, he doesn't doesn't fight the demons. He's not even there when demons are being fought. He just mistakenly buys a book that he shouldn't have purchased and then throws it in the fire, closing the loop, and then he's not even involved. He doesn't have to do anything.
0: That does feel like they're abusing the premise a little bit. It's a bait and switch. It it totally felt like that. It
1: feels like uh, if you've ever seen sometimes like you'll go you'll see a movie right and it has it looks like they redid the cover so it looks nice um but then and then it's like oh starring so-and so you know it'll say like starring uh there's a horror movie horror high or something and it it stars it's like starring George Clooney George Clooney's in it for like 15 seconds he like is you he know, like
0: is it a young George Clooney is yes. like a Yeah. Okay. Gotcha.
1: When he's, you know, like even pre being on Roseanne, he's like in a grocery store or something. (laughs) Right. Here's your change, and that's the entirety of George Clooney. But they're that's like
0: like saying uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 starring Jennifer Aniston.
1: Exactly. Yes. (laughs) And you're like, hey, look, Leprechaun starred Jennifer Aniston. Texas Chainsaw. Dang
0: Dang it! I got it wrong.
1: But yeah, and you're like, okay, I guess that's the most famous person who has emerged from this entire cast, but man, he's barely in the movie. And that's like what they did with the comic, except it's baffling, because you're like, you can basically have Obama do whatever you want. Right. Why not have him do something? Be present, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe be like in the same state where most of the actions happening
0: would be. Maybe locked in like the the back offices of the convention center, you know, trying to hide from the undead at least.
1: Yeah, something. I mean, he's, like, trying to give some kind of rousing speech to, like, calm the undead somehow. I don't know. The Independence Day speech. Yeah, or he has to, like, have a uh, (laughs) presidential-style debate against the head of the demons and, like, whoever wins something. I mean, you know, use, use Barack Obama's skills. Either have him do like presidential stuff that saves the day or have him do completely wacky non-presidential stuff because that's amusing. Right. But something, something would have been good.
0: Right. That have him be there for five seconds and then not be there for the rest of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a bummer. So I do not recommend Army of Darkness Ash Saves Obama. There are a so lot if
0: Obama of- wasn't in there, it still wouldn't be worth reading.
1: No, because, like, the rest of the story is kind of boring. and It's like the same old uh, Evil Dead Army of Darkness story, just kind of condensed and not as well done.
0: So Um, it was a gimmick that didn't even give you the gimmick.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, it like, didn't... It was promising a, a cheap gimmick, and it didn't deliver even that. Bummer. Yeah. So I do not recommend it, but there are some other Ash or Army of Darkness comics like uh, Ash in Space or Ash Gets Hitched that are much, much more enjoyable. Okay. So that's how I'm going to spin that into a quasi-recommendation, I guess. I just want want everyone else to know how upset I was about a comic from 11 years ago uh, sort of starring someone two presidents ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's OK. I'm still holding a serious grudge against the show Gilmore Girls. Oh, and I will never let it go. Uh, so I'm with you
1: because of like how it ended.
0: Well, yeah. So did you I'm assuming you probably didn't watch Gilmore
1: Girls. I have seen most of Gilmore Girls. Really? Yeah. I'm not so the, super familiar, but.
0: I mean, there are definitely things that I wanted to happen in the show that, you know, that kind of happened but didn't happen. But the reason that I'm holding a grudge instead of just being disappointed, is because I feel like, and it, it has to do with like, like politics, Hollywood politics. I think. So they had a certain set of writers on the show for many seasons, and they were developing the show in a certain direction. And then, you know, I think Shonda Rhimes maybe left. Um, there was some sort of shakeup behind the scenes, and the show ended up with new writers. And what it felt like to me, as someone who reads a lot, and like has a a feel for narrative is they spent many seasons developing characters in a certain direction and then new writers came on and they systematically undid every decision that the previous writers did and left those characters in almost the exact same place they started the series in (laughs) yeah and i was so bummed
1: it from like a you know thousand feet up view of it it seemed to me like you have Um, some of the romantic relationships and then the relationship between the mom and the daughter Mm -hmm. was kind of, they were on certain trajectories. Oh, and also the mom and her mom. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it seemed like they basically built it up and then just disassembled it. Like, did it in reverse? Yeah.
0: Yes, that is exactly what happened. And I, I can roll with shows making decisions I don't like. There are shows that I really, really love that made choices that I wish hadn't happened, but I respect it because it's good storytelling, you know? Yeah. And it made sense and it worked in a way and I wish it could be different, but like that's how life is sometimes too. Right. But this one, I felt like it didn't even make sense. I felt like, you know, we're going to develop characters and then undevelop them. And I don't find that satisfying.
1: Well, it's like, you're not really, you know, further development. It's just like, it's kind of just doing the same story again, right? In reverse? Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, it's a cheap way to... You could write three seasons of a series, but get six out of it if you're like, well, then we'll right. just kind of go backwards.
0: So I not only didn't get what I wanted out of the show, but I also felt like I didn't get anything of value that I wasn't looking for.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm with you. So
0: I, I hold a grudge.
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's how I feel about this. It's like an 11 year grudge for a 104 <laughs> pages of comics that I'm yep. like, this did not deliver on something that could have been a solid five out of 10. <laughs> yeah.
0: And doesn't really matter anyway, no. but I'm mad about it. <laughs> yeah, I
1: I had really no hopes for it. And I don't know why. I don't know what possessed me to to read this at the time I did. But here we are. Yep. Well, you know what, I think I think it's a real uh, badge of honor for this show because it's probably one of the few podcasts or anything that has ever compared the Gilmore Girls to Army of Darkness.
0: You know, we, we managed it. Maybe <laughs> we should just wrap it up here. I th- I'm not sure we can do any better. <laughs> I, I think we've peaked.
1: <laughs> um, do you want to go uh, read your titles and authors again and um, sure. We had a request to do all four of the things that we were recommending. Yes. So,
0: so you want me to go through all four? Yeah, just real quick. All right. So the first one that I talked about is *Phantom Effect* by Marco Michael Aronowitz, um, which is available as an ebook on Hoopla. Uh, the second book that I talked about is *Fury* by Lauren Donner or Donner Donner, and it is. Available in print through the library, so you can request that uh, in print. The two that I did not talk about are Night Train by David Quantic, and that is available as an audio ebook through Hoopla, and Death Rides a Chestnut Mare by Ralph Compton, and that is available in print and on Hoopla as an audio ebook.
1: All right, and the two that I talked about were Clown Fellas, Tales of the Bozo Family. Um, by Carlton Melick III. And I talked about Army of Darkness, Ash Saves Obama um, by Elliot Serrano. And then the two I didn't get to were Centipede, Volume 1, Game Over by Max Bemis. <laughs> and uh, Sword Quest, which was written by Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway. And then the uh, art was by the amazing George Perez. Is that what prompted you to pick it up? That was a big part of it, to be honest. It's, you know, it's got these like hidden clues embedded in the art. And George Perez is like one of the best. Cool. So I was like, maybe this will work. And I was wrong.
0: (laughs) Well, we can't get it right all the time.
1: You know, George Perez has some broad shoulders and even he could not carry (laughs) Sword (laughs) Quest on them. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody.
0: Yeah, we'll see you next time.